Hey guys, welcome to what you could call uh, in some ways a bonus episode, I guess, because it's not a typical JV Club episode. It is a uh, kind of a panel, a Q&A that I did at the University of Chicago during their sex week uh, last not this last January, but I think, or the February before that. So I think February 2016. And Cynthia, if you're listening to this, I am so sorry that I don't have the um, the dates that I was there. It was either late January or early February of 2016. And uh, it was such a pleasure. Um, it was uh, very, very cool to be in a room full of awesome um, students who asked great questions and, and just pr- provoked kind of a, a terrific conversation. So uh, if you are expecting an episode of the JV Club, uh, you uh, have come to the wrong place. No, that's not possible. This is my podcast. You've come to the right place, but you might be up for something a little different this time. And uh, if that's not your cup of tea, I totally understand. Uh, I didn't have a female guest for this week, and next week I'm launching Boys of Summer, so I just wanted to take the opportunity to put this out there. Uh, I think it might be especially fun for Legend of Korra fans because I talk about that um, quite a bit. And uh, I think that's it. A shout-out-wise, I just wanted to thank Steve for his email, and I am in Atlanta shooting Stand Against Evil Season 2. So uh, sending love to you guys, and uh, talk to you next time. Thanks. Now entering Nerdist.com. Seychelles were here. She would have made the same assumption. Um, uh, guys, thank you so much for coming. It's great to see you all. I'm glad you're getting some food in your stomachs. That feels important. If you get hungry and you want to go out and get food, uh, I don't care. If you need to get up and use the bathroom, great. Um, if you don't like what you're hearing and you get bored and you have to leave, okay. Pretend it's for another reason. Be like, oh no! <laughs> and race out. So I don't know that it's personal uh, against me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for coming. For those of you that um, uh, weren't sitting uh, for the first hour that we were in here chatting, this is my cousin Julian, and we were um, having a conversation that was sort of about whatever any of us wanted it to be, but, um, but we sort of started it out focusing on, it's totally okay, um, talking about uh, being transgender, family, but then we kind of morphed out into all kinds of... I'm transgender. <laughs> transgender. Um, and morphed out into all kinds of stuff. And I think that there we were talking about so much stuff that um, I have... I told you guys who are already in here, I was, I'm happy to continue talking about that. And anything else that anybody wants to talk about in here, um, I think uh, it's great you guys have a sex week. Um, is this something... How, how many of you guys have gone to multiple things as part of sex week? Most of you? Some of you. Oh. Um, 
What are the other kinds of uh, classes that, or the sort of uh, lectures or panels and stuff that, that is around for Zephyr? It varies a lot. Other people might be able to speak more on it than me, but there's like, like sometimes we'll have guests, or guests who are stars in like the See, that's why I would have been really happy to be there since I just had that whole conversation about no, it. No, um, she was actually fantastic. Like, it was really like just super like real, like oddly like like everything was like super not weird for like the fact that we were watching her porn with her, which uh, oh wow, like, yeah, surprisingly not weird. That's awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, my name's Janet, uh, and, uh, yeah, Cynthia, thank you so much, Cynthia, for bringing both, uh, Julian and myself out here. Um, you reminded me that I had, like, a weird, legit journalism job for a second, uh, working for HuffPost Live, where I did talk a lot, uh, about, you know, just sort of gender or sexuality issues, anything I could get my hands on that was kind of human interest in that regard. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just a... I'm a I'm an avid student of those kinds of cultural norms and shifting you know ideas and focuses and um, and uh, and it was one of the great things about living in San Francisco. It's a very sex positive and very open and um, accepting community. By and large, all the way across the board. I mean, it's not just you just don't. It's not that you just go down into the Castro and you're like, oh, okay, I feel safe here. I'm sure that that there are people who feel that way, but by and large, I feel like you know, it's amazing when you live in a city where there's a gay there's a gay white man running for mayor and a black man running for mayor, and they're like duking it out over who's more conservative. Like that's a <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. That was a, that was like I love living here so much. Um, so so yeah. So I that's you know it's it's stuff that's sort of near and dear to my heart. And um, uh, if you're here with specific questions that you'd like to ask me about stuff, um, bring it on. Uh, I don't know if most of you are here for one thing or another that you know me from. Um, if it's from before, that would not surprise me because I know that that was in the breakdown of like what I do and why I am here was in the description I saw it I know it was there (laughs) so I'm totally happy to talk about that and you know I mean if you feel strongly about wanting to talk about something that has nothing to do with gender and you just want to know if Michael and Brian are great to work with that's also fine to ask (laughs) they are uh, they're great Um, and I wish they were here too because sometimes I get asked questions about the decision to have Cora be a girl avatar versus a boy and stuff, and they are two of the most laid-back, mellow, like, why wouldn't it be? You know, why would this even, why would it be a thing that we had to, like, mm, let's make a decision, is it okay if she's a girl? Um, uh, so they are very much advocates. Um, uh, so, yeah, so, I don't know, I mean, honestly, I, w- I would love to just open it up to questions. If you have questions for Julian, um, I welcome those as well. Questions for us to tag team on, great. Um, and then if you don't have questions, I guess I'll just start talking, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, anyone want to talk about anything specific? Hey. Hi, I'm curious, how did you get into voice acting? I got into voice acting, um, the long version is that it was something that I wanted to do even when I lived in San Francisco, um, but I didn't really know how to, and it wasn't something I kind of pursued. I think I was very afraid of being bad at it or just thinking, you know, I don't know that many people who love the sound of their own voice. <clears throat> of course, my voice breaks as I do that. Uh, uh, and and I, I was not somebody that was like, 
I really got it, you know. Um, but I did, I had a friend who worked for this reading card, like online reading card companies, one of the first ones, and she was an animator, and so she would animate these reading cards, and she would always ask me to do the voices. So in my mind, I was like, I guess I'm professional now, even though I wasn't getting paid to. Uh, but then when I moved to L.A., when I moved to L.A., um, I, I, it was something, again, that I kind of shied away from. I was very intimidated by it. Um, and, uh, and I had a commercial agent that also had a voiceover department. And um, gradually, after a couple of years of living there, maybe even longer, maybe like three or four years of living there, I finally, I had seen enough of my friends get voiceover jobs that I was like, maybe I have that, you know? And so I, I just had a long conversation with the, with the agent there and said, you know, I really want to do this. And I did take classes. I took um, a bunch of different classes. I worked with a private coach just to kind of, Honestly, I, can't, I mean, I, it's, it's invaluable stuff to learn, but so much of it for me was just getting comfortable with the idea that it was kind of okay for me to be there and okay for me to audition and okay to make choices because it was really hard for me. For some reason, it was really hard for me to, like, come up with a character voice for animation. I thought, I just, I was so in my head about, like, what do they want? What do I think they're looking for? What do I imagine they need? It was all about that for such a long time. And then finally, I just was like, you know what? I can't do this. I'm never going to know that. I have to do whatever I think would be fun, you know, or whatever I think fits. So that, so I, you know, I took classes, and um, I was lucky in that I already had an agent of a sort that could start getting me auditions and stuff. But, but yeah, that's how it worked. And I... I always encourage everyone to take improv classes, even if they're not. I know she's dressed as a Sami. <laughs> I can't be cool this time. Hi, welcome. You look great. Um, uh, yeah, so that's um, so that's how it happened for me. But I always say it's great to take improv classes. Even if you're a business major and you have no interest in performing, I just think improv classes are so invaluable. I think they just make your brain fire faster and they make you more comfortable in social situations. And um, oftentimes you meet friends that you would never meet otherwise, so I, I recommend that. And then if you're really interested in voiceover, I do recommend going to you know, some sort of school. So like here, I would say Second City, you know, for sure, or I.O., um, and then I'm sure there's some great voiceover coaches here too. Yeah. Anyone else? Um, so I had a question. Mm-hmm. Um, so you played Cora, who's by and Carly and Burning Love, who I believe you said was gay. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, in regards to like different sexualities you had as characters you played, like how much you relate to those sexualities, or if you don't really relate to those sexualities. Uh, I do. You know, I don't. Um... The first thing I'll say about Cora is that I. What's been interesting, and this is actually something I thought about bringing up when we were talking uh, a little earlier, when we talk about labeling, is that um, <clears throat> because Cora ended up in love with Asami, uh, I have a lot of people say, you know, when did you know Cora was gay, or did you know Cora was a lesbian, or did Mike and Brian say when Cora realizes she's a lesbian, and that's a struggle for me because I, I, in no way do I want it impinge upon the the incredible positive message that her being a lesbian could give to somebody who is a lesbian. But at the same time, I in my mind, it doesn't number one it doesn't it doesn't matter other than that it matters because if a group is getting a larger voice because of it, of course it matters. 
but I already have a little tiny chip on my shoulder about um, bisexuality and the prejudice I feel exists in bisexuality. So it was very, I, my answer is frequently like, I don't have an, any knowledge that she's a lesbian at all. You know, as far as I know, she's bi. And if she's not, okay, but I don't have any reason to believe that she's not. And that is something that I feel very passionately about. And I was talking with Julian about it um, yesterday, actually, which is this idea that um, that's a, for as like, for as sort of like fluid and as open and as sort of all-encompassing as you would think bisexuality would be, that being bi was like only about sex, right? I mean, I'm talking about the assumption other people make. Being bi means you're hypersexual, you love having sex all the time, and you're less picky, right? And that you probably are gay or straight, but you're not being honest with yourself. Um, and that, and so in gay communities, there can be this sort of like, watch out for that one, you know, he sleeps with both. Or there can be, in the straight community, this idea that like, a girl is bisexual because she thinks it makes straight guys think she's sexy. I still feel like there are places where if I said that, you know, there are a ton of people who would be like, tell me more. You know what I mean? And you're just like, you're gross. Get out. Um, so that's something that I do feel, feel strongly about, which is this sort of idea. And I don't know if that's different for you guys, and I'd love to hear from you. Is that, is that do you feel like any of the things I said um, still uh, are still prevalent? Do you feel like you don't experience any of that, and it feels as all-encompassing and embraced as any other, um, you know, I don't want to say fringe because it's not, but like this is obviously a progressive room. I think if you made it in here, the chances are already, you know, you have what would be considered progressive by conservative standards. Um, but I would love to hear from you guys. Does anyone want to contribute? Hi. Hi. Um, I'm pansexual, um, and I've like pretty much encountered all of the same like stereotypes, like in my own life. Yeah. Um, especially from like even like people who are kind of close to me, which is kind of unfortunate, but yeah. So I think those are definitely still things that I'm trying to like, I don't know, fight against those stereotypes. Like I was um, the head of an LGBT group at my school and like even our advisor kind of made it like an unsafe space for people who were bi. Hmm. Like you're not gay enough to yeah, be the kind president. Of. Yeah, that's that's it's. I mean, I have very mixed feelings about this. Number one, I'm glad I'm not crazy, but I also am very sad that you've gone through it, so it's a mixed bag. Like, if you were like, no, we're, we, we, we're not there anymore, Janet, I would be like, great! <laughs> but also like, oh, I'm behind the times. But, uh, but you know, I, I, I can very much relate. I can very much relate. Um, so that's something that's... So I, I will address that. As far as um, uh, uh, Carly, the character that I played on Burning Love... Um, in many ways, she's more like me than any other character I've ever played because I'm frequently asked to play, um, like, if, like hypersexual, straight, blonde-haired, <coughs> tall girl, blue-eyed women. Where, you know, I, especially when I first moved to LA, like I just, you know, again, the, all the things living in San Francisco and then making a decision to come down to LA. Let's talk about selling out. I mean, it definitely looks like that. <laughs> I'm doing the thing that I, you know, adamantly refused to do the entire nine years that I lived in San Francisco. I guess now I'm going to do it and see what that feels like because I started getting work. 
Um, and that's the tricky part, right, is that if you are in a city you love, not doing what you love for a living, and then you feel you find out what it feels like to actually pursue your dream and have it pay off, not even just financially, but emotionally, it's a, it was a very difficult decision. Um, it felt like being in a relationship. I felt like I was married to San Francisco when I was cheating on San Francisco with acting. Not with L.A., but with acting. And, um, and so making that decision to come down was very difficult. And, um, and all the things I had worried about, like, I don't want to be judged for how I look. I don't want to be judged for how much I weigh. I don't want to be judged for this. I don't want to be judged for the sound of my voice. All that kind of stuff was I wouldn't have been able to take any of that on any younger. I just was too fragile, and I, was, I, was, I just would be crushed by that kind of judgment. And so it really took, I had to be, I think, in my um, late 20s to go, I think now I have a strong enough sense of who I am that I'm not going to be completely changed by this experience. And I think that's still true. Um, but in the beginning, it was definitely like, okay, you know, this is the this is who they want me to. This is what they want me to audition for. They want me to audition for this type of person. Is it fun to play that person sometimes? Sure. Do I every time I get a job want to go in for a fitting where they say, let's get your push-up bra on and put those little cutlets in so that it makes everything like super huge? When I wear sports bras every day of my life, just to make it as flat as possible, yeah, that was definitely like, oh, this is a this is a thing. This is a thing that I guess I've signed up for. Now I've been doing it long enough that I just don't do that anymore. You know, I would just go like if it's something. There's a character I play on a show called You're the Worst, and I love her, and she's horrible, and she's so much fun to play, and she dresses like that. But to me, that's part of like, oh, this is a well written character who has qualities and they're qualities that I can identify with and that I also loathe and how fun to get to play that opposed to here's a you know two-dimensional character that has no quality other than that she's wearing a push-up bra um so for me those were those were lessons and there are things that I still learn and you sort of figure out what your what your um uh your willingness is and kind of what your boundaries are and maybe they shift for one reason or another um, when I was asked to do Burning Love, I had never seen, I still haven't ever seen The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I've never seen any of those shows. Um, and, uh, and they asked me to do it. And it was such a great group of comedians and actors that I was like, oh, I definitely want to do it. But <clears throat> when we went to, sh- well, we started shooting just a little sizzle reel. Um, and that just means that we, they, Ken and Erica, the people, this is this show called Burning Love. I don't know if you've seen it. It's very funny, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Anna. Um, but uh, but they, this was like, oh, we want Ben Stiller to make this thing, so let's to shoot something funny and show it to them and say, it'll be like this. And so that's what we did. We just did a day of that. And so when I came, um, the, the kind of rundown of the characters they had given um, we're pretty specific and be like, oh, this person, you know, this, this girl's pregnant, you know, she's trying to hide her pregnancy, this girl's this, this girl's this, this girl cries all the time, whatever. Um, and then the one that they gave to me was that, like, oh, she's sporty. Uh, and so, hi. Hello. Um, and so I, when I got there, I said, I, uh, would it be, can I, can I play that she's gay and that she's, not sure what she's doing there and or how this even happened, you know? And they were like, great, sure. <laughs> and so that was really an opportunity for me to kind of go anti 
everything that I, well, like when they put you in the evening gowns and stuff, all that kind of stuff. It was a way for me to kind of exercise those demons in a way because it gave me the opportunity to behave how I really feel a lot of the time when I'm wearing stuff like that or being looked at or treated in a certain way, which is very much the sort of like, huh, I don't really... This is weird, you know. Um, so it was. It was really, you know, it was, that was a that was an incredible experience for me because it was so rare and to have that choice and to be given the opportunity to make that decision um, and to try to play it as honestly as I could and try not to make it like you know lesbians are like this, you know bisexual people are like this, just to sort of go well this is what feels right to me, and this is, you know, in this preposterous setting, which is, like, completely not based in reality at all, and is all parody and satire, but, um, but yeah, so those, those are the characters I relate to most, and certainly Korra as well. Um, uh, I, I think that all of my bad qualities are all of her bad qualities, and all of the great qualities I don't possess, but, <laughs> but, uh, but it still was just a tremendous honor to get to do that, um, and to feel like the stuff that I work on now, and I was again talking to Julian about this, um, there's a difference, there are just varying levels, and this is true for anyone in any type of work. You all know, for those of you who worked, I'm sure you've worked in some capacity, when I was in college I was working in retail just to be able to put myself through college, so I wouldn't have defined myself, although I did like working in that bead store. I loved making jewelry. That, I would say, was part of my personality. But um, when I was selling tickets for a train trip to the Grand Canyon, I wouldn't be like, I found my calling! Um, but when you, when you do get a chance to work in a field that you're interested in, there's varying levels of that, too, right? You can sort of, well, I'm, do, you know, I'm interested in working for the scientists, but they actually have me doing this other thing with a, a compatriot of theirs who's in a field that I'm not as interested in, but I'm hoping that it will take me to blank, blank, blank. So you have these varying levels of what takes you the closest to what your passion is. And that's, that's very true, I think, for most people who work in um, the entertainment business, which is you sort of go, okay, I'm really, I'm, I feel very lucky to be earning this living doing this. Am I excited about being in this Honda commercial? Not really. <laughs> so it's like, but then when you get to a place where you can do a show like Cora and feel like, oh, this means something. You know, this means something on a profound level to me as a person, and it has touched other people, it just feels completely different. It feels like, you know, um, a more of a cohesion of the sort of passion that you feel about your career and also what fulfills you emotionally as a human being, you know. Boy, that was a real... Someone else talked for 15 minutes. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else want to talk about anything? Yeah, I just wondered if after after sort of the finale of Korra, um, I think I think there was there was a lot of sort of fan speculation that Korra and Sophie would get together, but people didn't really think it was going to be actualized. And I was just wondering if you talk a little bit on your end about the reception uh, from Nickelodeon and from like just general public. Sure. How you guys felt. Sure. Well, I'm. I don't know what it would be like to go someplace where people didn't love the show or disagree. I mean, once in a while, I do a ton of cons because I love interacting with people. Um, I just that's just a, a really extra great part of um, of what I do, and I'm, I feel very lucky that I was on a show that draws that kind of thing. You know, I've been on shows where like no one would show up if there, you know, it's a convention for this show that no one gives a shit about. No, I'm all by myself over here. Everyone's lining up for Firefly. I'm going to line up for Firefly. I love Firefly. <laughs> so to be in a place where that, that demand exists 
is um, is again such an honor, and um, and so the people who are coming to those rooms, uh, even if they shipped a totally different couple or relationship, um, they're not disrespectful in the sense that they're not going to be like, ugh, gross. Once in a while, I'll have somebody, you know. Um, it's very dangerous for me to stereotype because in my mind, uh, what was about to come out of my mouth was that there's a specific, in, just in my experience alone only, there's a specific kind of person who feels it important to tell me that they are confused and don't trust that it was real or that like, you know, I know poor is straight and this was just like a response to the fans. They bend it to the fans' will, you know. Um, there's a type of person that says that. Um, it's it's just funny that it like is always the same type of person um, no matter where I am in the United States uh, and I always say like well I totally appreciate where you're coming from I think it you know it threw some people for a loop it was not surprising to me I was delighted um, but I also understand that you know for you it felt like it came out of left field I can tell you right now that if you're familiar at all with Mike and Brian you know they do what they want and they don't do something because a fan tells them to. They have such a singular vision, and they are huge heroes of mine in terms of well, what I was talking about before, which is being true to your passion and finding what your identity is in your work, whatever that work might be. Um, so they would never be like, well, this is totally not us or what we would have thought of, but I guess we'll just do it. That's just not them. Um, so I have the security of standing behind their legacy of, you know, they don't compromise. I mean, they compromise. <laughs> they compromise by getting to the Nickelodeon part. W would they have liked there to have been more, I think, between them at the end? Yeah. Um, do I, am I angry at Nickelodeon for that? No. I think it was great that they, you know, I think it's great that they put the show on at all. I think it's great that even though they took the show off TV and made it online, because that's where everyone was going to watch it anyway, and it made it weird and confusing for everyone. Do I resent them for that? Eh, we were all like, what are you guys doing? But at the same time, I, having worked for that, um, for that network uh, on a lot of different projects, for them, I think it's like, what name one other show they had that was like Avatar or Legend of Korra. Like, they didn't know what to do with it. They knew it was brilliant from the get-go with the first Avatar, uh, the very first season of Avatar. They were like, we got to do this. We got this. We, we want this. This is quality, beautiful art, you know? Whether it fits our demographic or not, they wanted it. And I love them for that because what if they hadn't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what I always say is, like, the fact that they held on to it and then they wanted to make Cora, and then Cora was, even Mike and Brian were like, well, get ready because this is even less Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> that they went with that, I think it's great. You know, it got made um, and, uh, and, you know, we're not SpongeBob and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it was it was really it was fun, and it's great to have people embrace it. Um, that's been ninety nine percent of my experience. Yeah. <coughs> what else? I guess maybe going along that line, like not that they like tended to like obviously it's not like they took fan thing, but it's like kind of their plan maybe shift of if they could push that envelope because like I haven't really been, it was such a big deal when, like, to have a um, not straight relationship represented in cartoons, even, like, Steven Universe is getting, yeah. um, Avenger Time, all of them are getting a lot of things because it's just, it's such a new concept of, like, if there Isn't was that kind just of, bananas? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just take a minute and just go, God, oh, that's so crazy. It's so 
crazy. Anyway, go ahead. Um, but, like, not that, like, but if there was, like, a sense of, like, maybe they didn't think of, like, we're going to do this from day one, like, this is what's going to happen, because from what I've heard, I still haven't seen it, but, like, when I heard it wasn't, like, it was something that kind of developed, mm-hmm. if it wasn't, like, at first kind of a decision from day one, but then it kind of just grew from, like, where plot was leading, or, yeah. like, a natural Yes, I would say absolutely that. I think the guys and the rest of the writers, um, they had some basic ideas of where they what they wanted to hit and stuff that they knew that they wanted to do. Um, I don't think that, and I'm sure anyone who's seen the show would agree, that that Cora's core uh, romantic relationship was never the number one priority when they started the show. And I think that might have been a conscious decision um, because they didn't want to have it be like, here's the girl avatar with all her crushes. You know, they wanted to just be like, that's not what this show is. Is there, does that exist? Is it confusing? Does she end up with this person and then it doesn't work? And then this other person, is there that kind of drama with within the other characters? You know, goodness knows Bolin had his share of uh, confusion. Um, of course, that stuff is part of life and like it's super fun to explore and all that. But I think um, it definitely was something that evolved for them. And, and, uh, and I think it makes sense, you know? And that's, that's what I always say too, is like, I love. I love what I love that what she went through, which was so incredibly taxing and um, emotionally draining. I do feel like we have these other things that become clear to us when everything else is just a fog of you know sort of fear and and disappointment or whatever. Um, to me, that felt very authentic. It was very pure. Like when she said, "I remember we were watching." The episode, I think it's Cora alone, where she writes the letter to Asami, so it's the voiceover, and she says, please don't tell Bolin, and uh, I'm looking at you, you haven't seen the show. Uh, I'll just look at Asami. She says, um, you know, she says, please, please don't tell them that I, you know, you're the person I feel I can talk to. And there was this, like, groundswell of, like, people that we were watching the, the episode with and I'm so moved um, but I thought that to me that did feel like you know that those 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 gifts that were given when we're under this tremendous traumatic stress sometimes we get these crystal clear gifts where we discover what matters to us and I think that that's what happened for that character and I'm I love that it went that way you know what else who else um, so obviously in Burning Love, um, the character Carly plays a lot of sort of stereotypes about queer women because she loves indigo girls. Like, <laughs> that some of that stuff was given to me more than it was. Like, I, I would have just been like, she likes what she likes, but yeah, that's the that's the parody satire part of the Burning Love bit. But. So one of the things that people seem quite surprising about Cora being not straight was that um, some people felt that she wasn't like obviously gay and sort of the ways they expected it. Right. Where you sort of would like to see queer characters going and being represented on television with yeah. that you feel is lacking. We were talking about that too, is that um, I think the tricky part about the culture that we live in, the world that we live in, but certainly the culture that we live in, that we, where we have so many privileges and where we are lucky enough to sit in this room and have this conversation, we still are social animals we still are incredibly visually attuned social animals. 
Um, we classify, we understand, you know, if, you, if you're into neuroscience or if you're interested in sciencey podcasts or whatever, um, you know that there's this discussion about how the brain and how, vi- and how our eyes fill in things that aren't there because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to control the amount of stimuli that we take in, right, on a very fundamental scientific physiological level, we are trying to understand stuff all the time. I got to understand this. I have to understand the direction that I need to walk to get home. I have to recognize that that's a tree that I will see tomorrow. I have to take it for granted that that tree will still be there tomorrow because that's one of the ways I figure out how to get to my house. You might be in trouble if you need that tree. Just <laughs> but so, so we have this innate, it seems to me, innate need Um, on some physiological level to say, I understand that and that makes me feel safe. And the problem is, is that where that tumbles over into stereotype and prejudice becomes, I don't feel safe unless I know exactly that you're a girl and I know exactly that you're straight and I know exactly that you're gay, that somehow our opinions and our judgments about things that have no bearing whatsoever on whether or not I'm on the ground and not floating into the sky and whether or not I'm safe on any fundamental level, that's not an issue. But somehow we plug all of that into it too, right? So a lot of it really is coming from like a very natural, okay place. Um, and a lot of it is sort of innocent ignorance. Um, that said, so I think that's what people get comfortable with, right? It's like, oh, no one knew how to accept gay culture. And then somehow someone decided, like, and then it was like, oh, we can accept, you know, gay male disco culture. Like, that's gay. That's what gay is. Oh, okay, I get it. I know my son's not gay because he doesn't wear tight pants and listen to disco and kiss boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, and then, oh, this is what being a lesbian means. You can't wear makeup if you're a lesbian. You know, you can't shave your armpits if you're a lesbian. Like, all of those kind of things are the sort of like, okay, that I get, that I get, that I get. And that's what I think is so exciting, is that we are continuously evolving. And I think, I mean, I agree with what Julian was saying last hour, which is that it's happening at such a breakneck pace. And I think technology has um, an immediate, you know, those two things are very much interrelated because we have access to so much information and so much connection to each other, which is bad and good, um, that it will get to the point where it doesn't matter anymore and that there isn't, I just want to see more representation in general and whether that's, you know, the two of us as a couple, I mean, we're cousins, I don't know, but like, you know what, who cares? We're not going to have kids together. We ain't having kids together. Um, But, you know, whatever that looks like, that we've gone to a point where we don't, that there, there's not a huge surprise that there, that something doesn't have to be a certain way. Otherwise, we were like, really? I never would have thought you were bi. It's like, why not? You know. So I'm just looking forward to getting to that place, and I'm certainly looking forward to getting to the place where, you know, I think ten years from now there are going to be young people who were who grew up watching Cora, who don't even remember that it was a big deal, who are like. You, you guys spent that much time talking about the fact that she, you know, fell in love with a woman. That's crazy. And we all go like, yeah, it is crazy, and that's great, you know. And what is the next issue going to be that we're pushing forward um, that feels like it needs to be talked about because this has been not solved, but that this has become so much the norm that um, it doesn't feel like something that we have to fight for so much, you know? That was a very, very convoluted answer. <laughs>
Anything else? Hey. Yeah. So, I guess I love your work on Cora and all that. Oh, thank <laughs> you. But anyway, so I wanted to ask, so as like a fan of like Legend of Korra, like when it, like when season three happened and like Korra and Asami got more screen time together, I was like, I'm shifting this. I don't think this is actually going to happen, but they have some like chemistry and I want it to happen. Well, like, well, it's interesting, like after the finale aired, I remember talking to this one like straight white boy. who <laughs> was just like, oh, that was... It seemed like Corazon was so rushed, and I was just like, what? <laughs> like, I'm not saying that's the kind of person who always tells me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say yeah, that. But I was just wondering when you, like, as, like, when playing the character, when you, like, when, like, Mike and Brian told you, like, what, that Cora and Asami would, like, get together, and, like, or if you, like, sensed that, like, there was some, like, well, from the very like at the very beginning, um, I'm so, I'm I'm such a product of I am a I am a pro, well that's a product but I am I am very influenced by the fans because I'm the one who's going out and doing all the cons and stuff and I will say that in season one uh, nobody was asking me if I shipped Korosami. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like we all kind of just worked within the the realm that we understood the show to be, which was as simple as. We know Bolin loves Korra. We know Mako loves Korra. Which one is it? You know, it was like very simplistic. All three. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, plus noodles and pabu. Um, two other favorite things in season one. Uh, no, but, you know, so I think that was, I was sort of responding when people would ask me, you know, I would respond uh, very much, you know, in that little column of like, well, I like Bolin better. You know, that was my answer. And then as soon as some, as soon as people started shipping Korosami and that came back to me, I was like, hmm, I do love that. <laughs> because that's like, you know, the, the, the whole way that, the, the whole way that they were, that that love triangle existed, it just, it never seemed like Korra was that bothered that Mako ended up with her, number one. Um, she had a lot of other stuff going on, but... Um, but you know, it's like as the actor playing Cora, when I saw the pictures of Asami the first time, I was like, she's so pretty. Very <laughs> <laughs> nice, you know. So uh, in that regard, I was like very relatable very quickly because I certainly wasn't looking at any other cartoon character on that show. Like, <laughs> you know. So um, so yeah. Who else? I have a question. Yes. I'm not, but I don't watch cartoons or animation. Or I, I did. I was at work one day, and I was in the break room, and I don't have cable at home, and I'm flipping channels, and I saw Cora, and I heard her voice. I mean, I held her when she was a baby, and it was so weird to hear. I kept shutting my eyes because I saw her. So I really, actually, my wife and I were vacationing where they had cable, and we really got into Cora. I think it was the first season, so... Um, but I have a question, you know, we, we talked a little bit about our culture and <clears throat> bisexual people not really having a fit in the gay community or in the straight community. And another aspect to that is that I think our culture as a whole, there's some acceptance to bisexual women, and I think it is a sexual thing. Yeah. Um, but I've even heard two straight guys say 
that bisexual men do not exist. Right. That if you sleep with one man and you right. slept with a thousand women, right. you're gay. Right. And you're gay forever. Right. Like there's this, <laughs> right? Am I right? Yeah. Like there's this stigma. So my question is. The best part too is that those are usually the guys who are like, guys love sex, am I right? They'll fuck anything except another guy. <laughs> then my penis gets very soft. Like, wait a minute. Wait, where did that guy go? You sure. know what I'm saying? But. Yeah, there's a lot of, of stigma attached to that still. Um, so are there any characters that are uh, gay men or portrayed... Great question. Or bisexual men or... Great question. Are they showing affection to each other? I mean, it's one thing to have yeah. a character, oh, he's our gay character and he's just buddies with everyone. Right. Do they show a right. kiss? Do they show... That's a great question and I would love to open that up to you guys. Do, can you think of anyone? I certainly can't think of a bisexual ma- male character really in anything. And a lot of the time when bisexuals of either gender are portrayed in film or television, they're the villain, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, watch out for that one, she does both. Or, you know what I'm saying? There's this like, oh, the serial killer is bisexual. Right? Yeah. The person who cheats is bisexual. The... So I think that that's, those are honestly the only examples I can think of. I know that American Horror Story, which I have not seen, did it this season, but I think it was still a villain. Am I wrong? There's someone on that oh, show. Someone on that show. Uh, also horrible things happen on the show. I don't want to spoil it, but um, someone on that show I, I'm pretty sure is bisexual, and I can't remember if they're like a, like a character you would identify with. I'm sure on a show like that, everyone is kind of scary and horrible, which is also okay, but... Maybe my mind is main character Torchwood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. Of course. We do see kisses. We see kisses. Do we see more? Definitely, like, he has has, sex with women. I'm not sure if he has sex with men on that show. Yeah. He's darling. And this is a cartoon? No, it's live action. Oh. Is it off of Doctor Who? Yeah. Oh, okay. so, no. I'm telling you, it's like if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen here with the stuff we like first before you see it yeah. in like an Eddie Murphy movie. <laughs> he doesn't even make movies anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want? Were you saying something? I remember like this one part in the series where um, the main actress, Eve Miles, like walks in on them having sex. <clears throat> but like uh, other than that, I don't think it happened at all. For the rest of the series, besides I guess. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, I think that's you know. I remember, like, I mean, I, I think that's there's a there's a sense of threat there, not just for um, people who worry that you haven't made up your mind, but there's this sense of like, oh, if 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 I'm a man and you also have been with women, you will you will cheat on me with a woman because I'm lacking something that you can only get from the other gender as if that is if you just can't help yourself and you're going to be unfaithful and that I've even had it presented to me in like an accepting way like I understand that because I don't have boobs I can't trust you (laughs) you know what I mean like thanks thank you you know what I mean instead of and then so that whole idea is just it's very frustrating I think because if you're in love with someone you're going to be faithful or you're not. It, I don't think it has anything to do with, with who you're sexually attracted to. And by the way, again, it's like how much of a relationship is sex? It, it's just not, that's not all it is. It can be. It can be. You can be in a relationship where you're just having sex with someone. But that's not been my experience. Has not been like this is defined by our sexuality together as a couple and it better maintain itself consistently for X amount of time if something's terribly wrong, whatever that kind of, you know, 
those like morals or expectations that are placed, or that only you have to be monogamous and that's what's right. You can't be polyamorous. You can't be, you know, that those all of those sorts of rules are, and it goes that, and that goes to relationships just like we were talking about with the individual. Are you gender neutral? How do you want to be referred to? How do you want to come out to your family? How do you feel? What? Do, how do you want to dress? What do you want people to say? That's the thing you check in with is that person. And the same thing with relationships. You check in with your relationship. What are your boundaries? What are your rules with your mate or your partners? Do you have a relationship? Do you need to have a relationship? Do you need to have sex in a relationship at all to be in love with someone? No. You know? So, again, those, those, those shifting sides where... Those, all of those definitions just start to get really murky and blurry, I just think is delicious. I'm so excited about it and happy about it. I, I think the progress always starts, though, with female-bodied people being allowed to do something. I think that male-bodied people, we talk about the oppression of women, but male-bodied people, there's so much oppression there that you can't show emotion, you can't show affection. And if you notice, like, it's okay to have two bisexual women, but late, like 10 years from now, we might have a kiss from two to men, of animation or cartoon or, it, yeah. But I think there's even with trans women, I think they have a harder time mm-hmm. with acceptance. In mainstream culture, yeah, yeah, for sure. Or it's hard because shows there's more there's some there's more crossover now, but that there are shows where it's like oh the L word is for us oh mm-hmm. looking is for you know yeah. this HBO show looking it's HBO right yeah. is like I love the show. Is it for me? I don't know. I don't care. It's primarily about gay guys in San Francisco. Do I care passionately about the relationships in the same way I care about any other relationship on a good show? Yeah. Is it hot when they hook up? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Maybe that's, that's what mainstream's afraid because they do like it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. can't put that on there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's what's interesting about sexuality. Again, everything's changing right now and has been changing for some time. But just sort of like what... The, I, the idea that, again, with the internet, like, that there's a place for everyone, a safe space for everyone who isn't into harming other people. Um, and I'm sure there's a space space for all of those people, too. Uh, but, you know, for the ones that concern me being, you know, good human beings who are um, looking for respect in whatever kind of partners or partners that they have, there's a place where you can find that kind of sense of community if you're looking for it. Um <clears throat> Including not thinking sex is hot. That's also super cool with me. Sometimes it's super not. So if it never is, that's also great. Was there some somebody over here who wanted to say something? Oh, I just wanted to say, I think Prince Ober in, in Game of Thrones is portrayed as bi. Though he also is... Which one is he? I can't, honestly, everyone has a beard or has a beard. <laughs> The men have beards, that's all I know. I, and I've watched the show. He's only in the show for a short period of time before he's really brutally killed. <laughs> he's the one whose face is like, completely pulverized. Yeah, he got what he deserved because he was bi. Sure. <laughs> um, okay, that, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that, but the, those two. The woman from they were, they Kama were Sutra. That's a really old movie, but I love that woman. What's her name? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter right now. Her name certainly matters to her. Um, yeah. So just like going along with the homosexual uh, um, depiction in television, because there are a lot of popular shows in Asia that will depict um, pair of bisexual characters, but then outside of show, like outside of the show and in real life, people actually will have like no idea how to deal with homosexuality mm. or bisexuality. They will just kind of like staring blankly and just kind of like shut down and be like, what What has just happened? Yeah, so. yeah. I wouldn't say like so much as 
it's not just like culture. It's, it's just like some people. I mean, it is the same in the United States. Just some people are just not sure how to deal with it, mm. even though it's depicted regularly. Right. Right. What? Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't have. I'm just yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. super interested in what you're saying. Yeah. How do? How does a society help its citizens, its members, to embrace and know what language to use? And you know, how do we do that? Not just here, but anywhere. How does that stuff get disseminated in schools? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I, don't know, you know, I don't know the answer. That's why I'm like, I clearly have no idea. Yeah, I guess. Uh... One of the things I've sort of seen a lot is since we have uh, the great thing about technology is, you know, we're getting a lot of voices and people coming out and being supportive, but I've also noticed at the same time that there's been a sort of separation between, like, your presence online and how supportive you are, and then when you get onto the ground where you're actually meeting people, it's sort of hard to sort of adopt everything you sort of committed to. It's sort of easy to, like, like a hashtag, be like, oh, I've read up totally on this, and I'm going to move on to the next hashtag, when the next, mm. like, open-minded one. I just find that sometimes... Uh, that, I don't know, maybe it's because, like, this is my own little theory, that we best so much trying to, like, present ourselves as a certain character, especially since online media allows us so much, that we kind of, like, almost forget, like, how, like, am I really in the loop? Am I really, like, as progressive? And some people sometimes feel like they don't want to end up being, like, accidentally, like, conservative or anything, so they just kind of jump in and hope that they don't feel excluded. So it's like... Everyone's trying to be inclusive, but at the same time, everyone's on the hinge of exclusivity. Hmm. Get it? So online, you can feel like, oh, great, I like this, I shared that, and it's great. But once you step out of that internet space, it's like, do people sometimes might actually think that I don't like them? And like, how do I avoid using a word that like might be outdated? Hmm. I know it's, it's hard. I think that's really interesting. It's interesting because I always think of it as being the reverse. I always think of someone being a troll, <laughs> right? And then, I mean, I'm sure that ran through a lot of people's minds. In my mind, I'm always thinking like, oh, somebody who's just hateful and horrible who would never say that to you in person. That's what, the online, that's what online social media allows for. But it's an interesting. It's interesting to think that you could go in the opposite direction and, and sort of embrace fully and then become maybe socially awkward in real life. That makes sense. I mean, that plays in that larger question of the whole culture of PC, right? Like, is PC mm -hmm. really progressive or is it actually restricting these larger conversations that can take place? It's a huge, um, great question. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle with that all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. It's a great question. Great question. I think about it a lot because I, like, my connection with Cora immediately clicked because, you know, she has a darker skin color and she looks like me. But then I hear people say, how can you call her black? I mean, she has blue eyes, straight hair, same with Katara, you know. But you, I, you should relate to Cora. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't let anyone take that away from you because her eyes are blue. She might be wearing contacts. I don't know. <laughs> they don't get into it that much about her eyes. I'm really, I, that's why I like doing these though. Is, and this is, by the way, the most in-depth I've ever had about like any of these conversations. So it's been um, tremendously great for me. Um, do we want to do any rapid fire uh, <laughs> speed round? Do you want a fire ferret or a polar bear dog? <laughs> Mike? Yeah. Mm, I'm going to go polar bear dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Polar bear dog is sky bison. <laughs> dog. I haven't had a lot of personal experience and I also have a dog who really looks a lot like Naga who I've had for 10 years so it's just a total coincidence but if you've seen me that ridiculous video where I cosplay my own character <laughs> then you've seen that dog 
who brings a lot more dignity to that video than I ever did. <laughs> My dear. Is all the blue Cora inspired? Or uh, that is a total coincidence, oh. but it, I oh, I wear a lot of blue, so it really works out. Like, it's still my favorite color. Certainly it's what I would bend. Um, all of that, yeah, all of that is, like, just worked out that way. <laughs> yeah. Favorite character who's not Cora? Favorite character who's not Cora. God, there are so many. Um, oh, my God. I mean, I love Zelda's character. Um, but I, well, but like, I like going all the way over to the Varric side. You know what I mean? Just like a buffoon, a buffoon, an adorable, wonderful, mustache twirling idiot. I love. Um, that's that's only one, you know. But like, it's so different from what Cora was that I find it so refreshing too. What was one of your favorite arcs to see on the original Avatar or work on? Like, like there's different like story arcs between like relationships or between like finding self. Uh, do you have a particular one that's like these are like the best three four episodes that I, like really enjoyed? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, just a quick shout out to the original show. I love Prince Zuko. Um, just, I love Dante, Bosco, we became very close, uh, doing cons and stuff together, and now it feels like I worked, I mean, I worked with him briefly on my show, but I feel like I worked with him throughout his season, all, all of his seasons too, because we've talked about it so much together, and I've heard so much from him, that it all feels like I was there. Um, I loved, uh, Beifong, um, I loved her, I wanted to see all of her backstory with Tenzin, um, I love the sacrifice that she made um, when she saved everybody else by sacrificing her powers. That was extremely moving to me. Um, uh, and then I love, people have mixed feelings about season two, but I thought it was so visually beautiful that I can't even get past it to any criticism because I just found every episode to be magical. And Avatar won, like all of that. I mean, I would love to see that whole series, right, of the first Avatar. Yeah. Anybody else? You guys are asking such great questions and making such great points. <laughs> What's this for me? Yeah. Uh, I am about to host a show on Geek and Sundry that I'm really excited about. Um, uh, I am. I do my podcast every week. Um, having said that, I'll probably have to skip this week because I'm here not recording one. Um, I am on the show. You're the worst. We're going to start shooting season three in the summer. And I'm on a, uh, another podcast I love called Spontanea Nation. I'm just about to go do this thing called the Joko Cruise, which is like a bunch of nerds on a cruise going to the Bahamas. <laughs> I've never been on a cruise. I'm excited to be doing it with my nerdy comedian friends. None of us will be wearing bathing suits at any time. I guarantee it. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but you should check out my podcast if you haven't heard it. It's like my favorite thing, and I've ta- uh, interviewed a bunch of people from uh, Cora, including Mike and Brian and Seychelles and um, a, m- a bunch of people. Zelda Williams. Oh, wow. What's your favorite episode of Core that you got to be a part of? Oh, boy. Uh, it probably was Cora alone. Yeah. Yeah. And then getting to see it on the flip side with the audience and stuff was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, it was a very complete experience. Um, that was great. It was really great. They were all, it was just such a, I couldn't believe I was doing it. I kept waiting for it to, like, get fired, but I didn't. <laughs> As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.